All right, it's time to start. What time do we get done? By 10.20? Okay. I got you. Okay. So my um, batteries must be dead in my remote, so I'm going to have to keep going over there. Uh, thank you for being in the class. Uh, Baruch, Rhea, and I are... Yeah, this is irritating. So uh, I'm your... I'm your main uh, facilitator. Baruch is there. There's our email. Terry's passing out a uh, schedule. And um, this information is on there. So uh, please um, feel free to call us or email us anytime. Uh, our primary text is Matthew 1, uh, 5, 1 through 12, which is the Beatitudes. And Eddie is um, going to start a sermon series on the Beatitudes this morning. So what's happening is... Our elders met, um, come on in. Our elders met for a retreat. They've been talking about it for a long time. Um, the, the consensus among our leadership is we need to learn how to be more welcoming to uh, disenfranchised members of our, of our culture, of our society. And how do you do that? And so we're exploring different ways um, I met a guy last week, you know, he passes out this card. If you are a saint, sinner, loser, winner, abused, abuser, whore, gambler, lost, fearful, ADHD, liar, hypocrite, bastard, lover, cutter, tweaker, alcoholic, adopted, abandoned, leftover, divorced, LGBT, alone, old, young, driven, cheater, success, infected, rejected, pierced, tattooed, or just a misfit, you are welcome here. You do like it. See, and he's got his name of his church on the back. Do what? So, you know, I asked the elders, I said, guys, and Eddie and the staff, I said, guys, are we ready to have that on the front, turn it over and put the East Side Church of Christ on the back? And they said, well, not sure. So what they are ready to do is to do what we're doing. And that's for the next three months we're going to move through um, and look at some other churches that are doing it. Now, I went to the elders with Eddie and my wife and some others and said, hey, we need to look at Celebrate Recovery. It's not Church of Christ, but it is Christ-centered. And they're doing what you're looking at doing, and you don't have to reinvent the wheels. So they said, okay, let's move forward. Let's look at it. So that's what we're doing. We're looking at it. And I want to give you, the church, as much information as I can. And then probably, you know, December, January, I don't know how, what it'll look like. But at some point, we're going to know what the church feels uh, about it. So that's the purpose. Questions or comments about that? So what I want to emphasize is nobody has made the decision, yes, we're doing Celebrate Recovery and this is when we're starting. That's not where we are. We're saying we definitely want to be more welcoming to these people. Tim Schwamm, one of our elders, said, and I love it, I think it's genius, we have to be welcoming and opening and open and loving and we want to be attractive to these people in a God-honoring way, right? 
That's what scripture says. I mean, if we say, oh yeah, you're a whore, and you can come to our church and continue to be a whore. We can't, I, I mean, so what, so we're all in a learning phase is what I'm saying. What do we do and how do we do this? But if you think about it, who was G? I'm trying to get my English right. To whom was Jesus most attractive? The religious leaders? To whom was he most attractive? The sinners, the Right? I mean, the woman in, in the sinful lifestyle, per, perhaps a prostitute, is that how she made her living? Is coming into, barging into a Pharisee's home just to see Jesus. That took courage. What was so attractive about Jesus? So that's where we are. Questions or comments about that? All right, so our primary text, uh, the Beatitudes, uh, primary, secondary text, John Baker's book, Life's Healing Choices. Here it is on your list. There's a web page. You can buy it. I strongly recommend that you buy it. Life's Healing Choices, it's listed down at the bottom of your schedule. Yeah, please, you know, I know money's tight and all that, so it's not a requirement of the class, but if you could, couples, if you could buy it and share it, but, and on the schedule, there's a reading assignment so you can keep up with the class, all right? So that's one of them. The other one is Mac and Mary Owen. Mac and Mary Owen uh, are the national directors of Celebrate Recovery and Church of Christ. So um, they will be here next Sunday. You will have an opportunity to meet them and hear Mac preach the sermon. And their book, Never Let Go, I don't have a copy of it, but it will be available. Um, I've got uh, their son. I know. I'm just not doing it. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Their son, who they gave up for adoption, you'll read about it in their, happened to be a member of the Eastside Church of Christ. It's a great story, and I want you to hear it. Next week, you're not going to hear it. Uh, Mac's going to preach a sermon. Um, they will be here, you know, you'll hear bits and pieces of it, but the book will be available on sale in the back, in the foyer. There's a web page you can buy it on, on your sheet. It's also available in the Kindle edition, a lot cheaper, um, so you can go buy it for five bucks, but that's a secondary text. Okay, questions, comments? Anything else? All right, and how many of you have been in my classes before? All right, so you know how I do. I, I set up a Google Drive. I send out weekly emails. There's three, two ways you can get on it. Terry, if you'll pass the... You can sign the, the clipboard. If you know, if you know, absolutely can OW know that the church directory, how many use the church directory online? How many use the church directory online? If you know that that email address is right and good and that's the one you want me to use, all you have to do is give me your name, okay? If you don't know, go home and check and get that thing up to date. I use it all the time. And you know, I've gone over to somebody's house 
using the address from the church directory and it's like, I call him, hey, you're not here. There's John Doe is living here. Oh yeah, I moved from there two years ago. We'll update the church directory. Um, okay, you can do that. You can sign that clipboard and I'll put you in. Um, you can send me an email. There's my email address and it's on your list. So just shoot me an email, say, hey, Bob, put me on the list. Now look, if you, if you have gotten if you've been in my class and you've gotten my emails, you know what? I'm a lawyer. You know, lawyers, lawyers uh, if, if five <laughs> words are good, five pages are better. Right? You know, and I've in the past, I'm like, I've had students say, people in my class, they say, yeah, I got your email. And man, why do you, it's just, it took me, you know, I don't want to read it all that. And it's like, dude. You volunteered to get on the list, you know? I mean, if, I, if you are on that list, I'm assuming that you want the information and I'm giving you the information and I'm trying to be helpful. If you don't want to be on the list, that's your decision. If you get on the list um, and you read a few, you know, and you're like, dude, this is like a contract. I'm tired of this. Send me an email. You, I'm a big boy. You know, I, I, you will not hurt my feelings. I understand how we are overwhelmed with emails. So, you know, it's your choice. But anyway, so I'll, I'll start this week sending stuff out and setting up the Google page. There'll be a whole lot more information there. All right. Okay. We have 35 minutes. That's perfect. Here's the objective for today's classes. Number one, I want to talk about the nature of the course, what, we, what Baruch and I are trying to accomplish as far as the structure. And, and what we expect in here when we come in here. Um, I, want you to, I want to introduce you to the Celebrate Recovery model, and I can tell you about it, but hey, I got Rick Warren on video. He's the dude, so we're gonna look at a video. And then after the video is done, depending on how much time uh, is left, I would like you to try to define our terms, because you'll hear them talk a lot about, um, like this book is Life's Healing Choices, freedom from your hurts, hangups, and habits. And so I wanna define those terms and show you what those look like. All right, that cool? Any questions? All right, so here's our introduction to the Celebrate Recovery model. And let me see if I can, I, I gotta look at this. Oh, 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 tell me when it's there. There? All right. Everybody knows who Rick Warren is, right? Purpose-driven church, purpose-driven life. I am a believer who struggles with everything, he said. My name is Rick. Is that loud enough? One of the greatest privileges of my life has been to be a co-founder with John and Cheryl Baker of this incredible movement of God. And I am so thankful that John did not write me a one-page note because I probably would have ignored it. But 13 pages got my attention. Single space. And I read it and I go, this guy's good. So we began to plan what God wanted to do. And I said, John, 
let me do some scripture real research on this. And as I began to study the Beatitudes, I began to realize that every one of the 12 steps Jesus had already said. And he had said them in the exact order that 12 steps put them in. Now I always like to begin our CR Summit, which is my favorite summit of the year. And by the way, uh, right now, all of our Saddleback staff is... Okay, let me give the backstory, okay? Um, John Baker, who he's talking about, who wrote this book, was a raging alcoholic. Um, I, I'm not sure of what his faith background was. I don't know if his wife, but, but you know Rick Warren, right? 22,000 people attend his church. 22,000. Terry and I were just out there in August. Um, see, this is September. Did you know it's September? <laughs> yeah, we were out there for the summit that he's talking about. Absolutely amazing. But anyway, so John Baker was a raging alcoholic. I mean, on the verge of killing himself with alcohol. And he got sober through Alcoholics Anonymous, the 12 steps. Now, he, again, I don't know where his faith and his, re, his alcoholism recovery merged, but at some point he began attending Rick Warren's church and he got sober. And he had been sober for a couple, three years, and he said, the great, AA is great. The problem is, where's Jesus? And so he wrote Rick Warren, the preaching minister, they call him pastor. So, you know, if we do this, we're going to have to get used, to, we're going to have to be, be more comfortable with different language, okay? All right, two cents worth. So he wrote this letter, and it, like he says, it wasn't just a half page, or it was this famous, and you hear people talk about all that. It's 13 pages single spaced, and he laid out how he had recovered from alcoholism through Alcoholics Anonymous, which was great, but he needed, he needed now to merge what he had learned in recovery from AA with his Christian discipleship. And Rick Warren said, hey, let's, let me study the Bible. And like Rick said, he realizes, wow, these principles are principles of discipleship. And they're encapsulated in the Beatitudes, and they're even in the same order. And that's how Celebrate Recovery got started. All right, I'll quit and I won't interrupt again. So we began to plan okay. what God wanted to do. I said, John, let me do some scripture real research on this. So I began to study the Beatitudes. I began to realize that every one of the 12 steps Jesus already And he had said them in the exact order that 12 steps in. Now, I always like to begin our CR summit, which is my favorite summit of the year. By the way, right now, all of our Saddleback staff is participating here. So they're all in the refinery joining us. So everybody say hi back. Six reasons why I believe in Celebrate Recovery. 
The people in your past who have hurt you cannot hurt you in the future without your permission. Some people who've hurt you in the past, some people allow them to continue to hurt them in the future through rehearsing the memory over and over. That's stupid. They cannot hurt you anymore unless you give them permission to. Number three, celebrate recovery emphasizes personal responsibility. Personal responsibility. We accept responsibility for our habits, our hurts, and hang-ups. We make a clean evaluation. We make amends. Celebrate recovery involves personal responsibility. You know, I always say, you spell blame, be blame. And every time you blame, you're being lame. Number four, celebrate recovery calls for a spiritual commitment to Jesus Christ. There is a surrender step. Where I basically, first I say, I'm God is God and I'm not, which by the way, that's the great antidote to all stress. Repeat after me 20 times a day. God is God and I'm not. That's the antidote to stress. But there is a, a, a surrender step where I yield myself to Jesus Christ. There is a conversion in it. And a lot of therapies and a lot of fads don't ever come to that point. Number five. This is a really good one. Celebrate recovery expresses healing and emphasizes growth in the context of community. It's done in a group. This is very important because when you study scriptures, we always get well in community. There are 58 one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, care for one another, help one another, support one another, pray one another. Uh, encourage one another, pray for one another, 58 one another's. It is the mutual ministry of the body to itself. We do not get well on our own. That's why somebody can go to therapy for 30 years and they're no closer to the goal. Okay? Because God has wired it that I only get well in community, that we need each other. The Bible says in James chapter 5, confess your faults one to another and pay for each other that you may be healed. Now, some people say you just confess it to a priest and some people say you just confess it to a psychologist and some people say you just confess it to God but God says you confess it to each other. Now, if you want to be forgiven, all you need to do is confess it to God. But if you want to be healed, you've got to confess it to somebody else. Okay? You can be forgiven the moment you confess your habit or name to God. You are forgiven instantly. But you are not healed until you confess it to somebody else. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. And it has to be somebody who you can trust. Instead of the group stays in the group. But you've got to tell somebody. Confess your faults one to another and pray for each other so you may be healed. I've said it for 23 years. Revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. That's where it all starts. When I'm out on the patio, 
after service, if somebody comes up to me and says, you know, Pastor Rick, I've never told this to anybody, I start getting excited. Because I know they're about to experience the first step in recovery. They're about to experience the first step in liberation. They're going to open the door, and the boogeyman isn't as big as they thought he was. I mean, what was so hard about that? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, wouldn't you like to be a sinner too? Okay. <laughs> and in a marriage, you can't have one sinner marry another sinner and have a perfect relationship. That ain't going to happen. Because guys, you married a sinner, and she married a bigger one. <laughs>
seriously. A lot of people don't really believe the world is broken. Or they don't believe it's badly broken, or as badly as it really is. The fact is that Adam said everything on Earth was broken. The weather is broken. That's why we have hurricanes and tsunamis and floods and fires. And the weather doesn't work perfectly. Have you noticed this? Parts don't work quite as effectively as the work. Everybody is broken. Okay. Every relationship is broken. There are no perfect relationships because there are no perfect people. Every dream is broken. The economy is broken. And then I'll say amen to that. Yeah. Well, don't be surprised. No, celebrate your Oh, should be the least surprised at brokenness in the world. Everything is broken. So, the seventh reason we believe in celebrate recovery is it's theologically solid and sound. It is not a psychological program. It is a theological program based on the fact that everybody's broken. That's called the fall of man. And sin has damaged every relationship, every mind, every emotion, every body, the weather, the economy, and everything else. Okay. Questions about that? And he, he, it's almost over. He added that seventh one, so he made it longer. Any questions about that? Okay, we have about four. Go ahead. Well, not a question, Bob, but um, that number seven reminded me of something that I read a while back. Um, Ernest Hemingway said, we are all broken. That's how the light gets in. Yeah. And I tell myself all the time. Yeah. Anybody else? So the nature of the class, of course, this is the intro class, and so I've done a lot of talking, and I, I don't know how to do anything but talk, okay? So Baruch is my co-leader and my accountability partner in that, and what we, what we want is a discussion class. But today, I just wanted to give you an introduction of what we're getting into, what we're learning, the reason we're doing this, again, nobody in this church has decided we are going to start a Celebrate Recovery uh, ministry at Eastside Church of Christ and here's when we're going to start and here's how we're going to start and nobody knows the answer to any of those questions. What we've decided is we're going to go on this journey. I mean we definitely want to be more welcoming to people who need to hear the gospel. How do we do that? Celebrate recoveries one way. I think it's a good way it's not Church of Christ, but hey, it's close. And, you know, if we can get used to them calling their preachers pastors and get over that, you know, and they got, you know, Rick Warren's a Southern Baptist and he's got different theology and the technical issues of the crannies and corners of our... But look, we're looking at this, okay? What I want to do for the remaining 12 minutes is I want to define our terms. You hear these hurts, hang-ups, and habits and you, they do them in different orders. I don't know if you noticed, Rick, he, he did it in all three orders. He, you know, habits, hangups, hurts, you know, hangups, habits, hurts, hurt, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can do it any reason. But I do it in that order because it makes sense to me. And I want to take you through my story. Um, that okay? You guys are going to learn. You may not want me to come to your church and hear my story. I do want to emphasize this, though. We're not talking about drugs and alcohol only. In fact, that's not even the 
two out of every three people who have completed Celebrate Recovery in the 20 whatever years, two out of every three have never been addicted to alcohol, have never been addicted to drugs. They're codependent, they're good, you know, their food, it, it's, they're, they're dealing with their life stresses in a different way. They come to, so a lot of people will bring their brother who's an alcoholic to celebrate recovery and in about three weeks in, they're like, well, wait a minute, I need recovery for my issues. All right, capiche? So here, let me start with my story and tell you what happened to me and try to define these terms. And if you're a parent um, and need to go get a child or you just get sick of hearing me and you need to leave and I'm talking past 10, 20, um, you just feel free to go, okay? That, that fair? Okay, so I think they go in this order. I think they go hurts, hangups, and habits, and I, in my personal understanding of myself, I put a fourth category down here, and I call it character. Uh, it won't work and celebrate recovery. Why? Because it doesn't start with H. <laughs> that's one that it kind of drives me nuts, because they've got acronyms for everything, and everything starts with the same, but hey, that's it. Okay, hurts, hangups, habits. Here's my story, and I'll take you through this. First memory I have as a human being on this planet, first memory I have, I was four years old, we were living in a rent house, my dad was an air conditioning heating mechanic, we had sold our house on Valley Street in Carlsbad, California, and we were looking for a house to buy so he could raise his family. I was four, my brother was six. We ran into a, a rental house, 50-50 Los Robles, Carlsbad, California, we were there about six months. I learned to ride a bike in that rent house. I remember it, it was blue, it's in my mind. It's the first memory of my, of my life. Um, I took a piece of cardboard, I wrote Batmobile on it, and my mom taped it on the handlebars and I learned to ride that bike on Las Robles. The second memory that I have in my life that I can remember is I was being sexually assaulted by a teenage boy that lived in the neighborhood where we moved from Los Robles, 205 Encinitas Road, San Marcos, California. It was that summer, so I was not yet five years old. It was four months, three months after I learned how to ride a bike. And it was repeated, it happened all summer, and all the neighborhood boys would gather around and the perpetrator would ask if anybody wanted to have sex with him, and none of the older boys would do it, and so I wanted the older boys to respect me. I wanted, you know, I was on the low end of the feed, food chain in the neighborhood, so I did it. I did it for months. And then all of a sudden I learned, hey, you're not supposed to do that. And then I became, I won't tell you what they called me, Bobby the, for years. I remember when I started kindergarten, I was walking down the street to San Marcos Elementary, it was about four blocks from my house, and the crossing guard, remember when we used to have crossing guards? He had heard the story and he knew that I was Bobby the, not gonna say the word because we're in church. So there's a hurt, right? I mean, that, that defined my life. From the time I was five until I was about 16 years old. What did I do with that hurt? 
Oh man, I went and talked to everybody. See, my mom had left my dad. She was up in Santa Cruz being a hippie, strung out on diet pills. My dad was working every day. My Aunt Nancy came down and took care of us during the day. I told nobody. My dad found out about three months later, and you know what he said? You're not supposed to do that, son. Why did you do that? Three years ago, I went through therapy, EMDR therapy. One of the images my therapist had me image was to go back and replay that, re relay that. And instead, my dad, when, I, when he found out, came in and called the police in my mind. And the perpetrator was put in handcuffs and put into a police car and taken to prison. Because that's what should have happened, right? But that's not what did happen. So what, what, so what, how did I deal with that? I dealt with that by developing a hang-up. And the hang-up is a, a way that I thought about myself and the world. So I blamed myself. My, my view of myself was worthless. I mean, my mom didn't care. My dad didn't care. Nobody cared. You know, the perpetrator got to do wander this neighborhood. And so how did I overcome that feeling? Remember what he said? I had it written up here. If, you, if, he, if you're going to be on the senior staff, here's what I want in a senior staff. You have to have dealt with a major hurt in your life. Why? Because he knows from experience. If we do not deal honestly with our hurts, we become self-righteous. What does that mean? Well, it just means that you are, that I, because I experienced this, where did I look to make myself feel worthy? Self. I tried to overcome my worthlessness by achievement. Became a lawyer, went to college, honor roll, licensed in three states, passed the California bar exam on my first try, had a woman in my study group who graduated third in her class from Stanford Law, and she flunked it. Here I am from little podunk Texas Tech University, go out to California, study my brains out for three months, take the bar, and pass that baby the first time. Think it made me feel good? For a few. Did it get rid of this? So I'd practice law for a little while, and then I became what? Not just a preacher. Oh, baby, I became a missionary. Going to save the world. Then I came back and became a preacher. And every sermon, who was it about? And so if a little old lady came up to me and said, you know, you talk too loud, you're too quiet, you, you talk too long, had an elder, that, what happened? I was crushed. So how did I deal with that?
my drug of choice. Because when I had a two beers, I felt great. But then two beers wasn't enough, was it? Then it was three beers, then it was four beers, then it was five beers, then it was six beers, then it was eight beers, then it was 12 beers. What was I doing? Medicating. And I became an alcoholic. I resigned my ministry and moved here to hide. You guys asked me to be an elder. My son said, Dad, what are you doing? I mean, they knew. They knew I was in crisis. And I, I crashed. May 13th, I tried to kill myself. I tried to make, I was going to make it look like an accident. Went up to Cripple Creek, got blown away at the Friday the 13th. Had a $650,000 life insurance policy and I was just going to go off the cliff. And Terry would get my life insurance, my boys wouldn't have to put up with my mess. Life would be good, right? God had other plans. I found the one place between Cripple Creek and Divide where you can crash a motorcycle and not kill yourself. <laughs> and Saturday the 14th, I was in Alcoholics Anonymous. That was three and a half years ago. And I've been walking this journey ever since. I came before you several months ago and I confessed my sin and I asked you to forgive me. Not to tell you that I'm a great guy. Not to tell you that I've been cured. But to tell you that God now tells me I'm his child. See, I get up every morning. This is, this is my surrender flag. I surrender. And I will not start my devotional until this is between my legs. And I do it every morning. And I play music, songs like, I am who you say I am. Have you heard that song? Yeah. I'm who you say I am. I'm a child of God. I'm not Bobby the, that's not who defines me. I'm a child of God. My mom may not have wanted me. My mom may not have loved me. My mom, and you know what caused this whole crisis is, you understand, my mom's husband, my mom left my dad when I was 12. I didn't know her for 35 years. She lived in California, I lived here, my boys don't know her, you know, I, we've, I've never had a relationship. Her husband croaks, and that side of the family calls me, hey, your mom's got Alzheimer's and you need to come get her. She comes back into my life and I'm dealing with that and all those memories. I'm drinking all the time. I'm trying to keep my marriage together. I'm trying to keep my boys together. I said, you know what? I'm done. And I gave up. I think I had a nervous breakdown, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> I had a complete nervous breakdown. But that's not the story. That's not the end of the story. So what's the point? And I'll stop, okay? What are we talking about? See, the problem, let me be, let me be a little critical here, okay, for just a second. Bob comes to the church and he's an alcoholic. And what do we do? We say, you have to change your behavior. You have to stop drinking. Does that solve the problem? 
Does that even address the problem? Is that how Jesus approached people? Is that what Jesus told people? What did Jesus do? Jesus preached the gospel. The gospel goes to the core of the human condition. Am I worth anything? Yes, I'm worth God coming to rescue me because I'm his child. And that's the core of where I need to change my understanding. And if I change my hang up, my behavior changes automatically. And that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. And we'll talk more, much more about it as we go through the class. Any questions or comments? Mac and Mary will be here next week. You'll hear their story or you'll hear Mac preach. And they are going to be in this class if you look at the schedule. Mac is going to preach his sermon next week to the church. They're going to come back on the 17th of October and they will give their full testimony to this class. So you get to hear them. So, all right. It's two minutes past. Any questions or comments? Thanks for your courage. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Well, these people are, they're not easy to deal with, right? All right, I'm looking at our police officer in the room. So, you know, the question, we got Pikes Peak Christian School, we got Grace Baptist, or, uh, Bible Church that meets here. I mean, this is a huge decision. It affects us all. So, so, so we got to make it together, right? And that's what we're trying to do. Terry? These people aren't just these people are see us being open, to see us loving them the way that Jesus loved the, the people that he dealt with every single day, the people that he came to this earth for us. So. I think I just got called out. <laughs> and I love it. Thank you. Love you all. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.